Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another week of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I am Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am so excited to welcome Aveline Dacker, MD. Uh, She is a Latinx American sex positive family medicine physician in Salem, Oregon. Currently, Aveline is applying her integrative and holistic approach to sexuality medicine, women's health, preventative care, consent education, and teaching. She is active in creating a safe space for LGBTQIA plus youth and adults and helping people through illness, trauma, and life transitions towards finding balance and joy. She incorporates a multidisciplinary approach with principles of gratitude and pleasure to support her patients in creating their own wellness. Eveline has a special interest in reframing and re-educating people on sexually transmitted infections. She sees um, our relationship with STIs as a metaphor for the fear and shame we have around sexuality. As a practicing physician, this is encountered in her everyday healing, her clinical and scientific knowledge, along with her lived experience as a Latinx queer person, have given her a unique perspective that is beyond the academic. Dr. Molina Dacker was awarded the 2023, congratulations, recipient of the Robert L. Haney Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Award from her medical school, Case Western Reserve University. And in addition to practicing medicine, you may have heard her name before uh, because she created the uh, model STARS to help facilitate open and honest, safer sex conversations. She is a community leader, a consent and sex educator, a sexual health activist, and a TEDx speaker. And I'm so glad to have you. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today with you. Okay, so I want to get into the STARS framework because I use it so much with clients and I was so lucky to hear it uh, for the first time from, uh, I think, a mutual colleague of ours, Courtney Brames, um, Mm -hmm. when we had him on talking about uh, herpes uh, and things like that. And since then, I have used it with clients and cited it numerous times and and shouted you out and referred people to your website. Um, And so I just think it's so important. But before we get into that, I just kind of want to like acknowledge So you're a doctor and Mm -hmm. the way you describe the way you work and your practice is not some, is not a description most of us would see on a regular doctor's website, (laughs) right? (laughs) Where you're like wellness, all all these things about that, or maybe they say it, but in practice it's different. And so I'd love to talk about what integrative sexual medicine and functional medicine really is and why that's a, a key approach for whole human healing? Mm, yeah, that's a big question too. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are doing hormones and and sexual medicine. And I could say that the way my approach is different and how it's informed through my learning of integrative medicine, um, herbs, natural, like all of that stuff that I've learned for the last 30 years. The way it's different is I don't see... When somebody comes in with a sexual issue, I don't see it as a problem that it's up to me to have to fix Mm -hmm. or that they need to be on medications or that they need to go get lasers or certain treatments or, you know, I have this true belief that really it's part of our story. Like whatever we come in to see a doctor, there's actually a story behind that. And kind of going through that, what is the story that that people are carrying? And can we get a little deeper into that? Functional medicine is pretty much like finding the root cause of disease. Yeah. And oftentimes when, uh, and I've been certified in functional medicine, I was certified back in 2015, where, you know, where is it? Is it nutritional? Is it physiological? Is it blah, 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 you know, all these other things. But the one thing that never was really addressed well in my course and a lot of my teachings were how does pleasure and the positive stuff actually help us heal and help us integrate our life together? Yes. So for me, uh, when I do sexual medicine, I don't rely on making sure everybody's hormonally balanced because I don't even know what that means. Or I don't make sure that, you know, they all go and make sure that they get whatever laser, the fancy laser treatment is for vaginal rejuvenation. And I have a real issue with a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But then we actually figure out like, what are we holding in our pelvis? What life are we holding? What pleasure are we holding? What traumas do we hold? And let's work from that place from the inside out and figure out what everybody needs. There's no one protocol. Everybody needs something different. Yeah. Well, I know everyone is different, obviously, like you're saying, and and this is a very like human-centered, individualized approach. And just as an example, let's say someone's coming in and they, you know, are dealing with some story in their pelvis, right? What what might be sort of first steps to start to work with that, work through that in your integrative approach? My practice. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So, you know, it's funny because this is kind of related to my stars talk too. Yeah. And, and, and the part that it's related is that I actually start, I switched my stars up to the first thing to deal with the safety. So the first place I start with anybody is trying to create a safe container for them mm-hmm. because when I want to approach a person and a person's body and their story, they have to feel safe enough that I could hold that space for them. Um, so what's the first place to look at? I mean, at? I just I just want to pause and interrupt for a second about that. It's just like what a thing that should be required in all medicine. <laughs> and look, I get that we're working in a system that doesn't have the time and the resources and insurance doesn't cover spending that amount of time with people. And most doctor's appointments, even though you're told like, oh, it's a safe place because this is a doctor, you're supposed to trust a doctor, there is no building of safety. You know, I I, I usually feel quite unsafe when I arrive there um, with, with all of the things. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge like how wonderful that is. And I wish it wasn't such a privilege. 
it should be a right. For sure, for sure. But it's true. You know, as a practice, as a family practice practitioner going into a patient visit, we have so much other noise going on in our head, right? We have 15 minutes, we got to get our chart notes, make sure we don't forget our prescriptions. Oh, and what else is going right. on in our life? Right. So learning how to set that aside and realize that like that space, like when a person comes into that, it's almost like a sacred space. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to, if I'm going to do more than just write a prescription and send you on your way, then acknowledging that sacred space and creating a sense of being heard and feeling safe is so important to the healing, at least for me and the way I approach people. It's so important because the story, we can't help the healing until I know what the story is. And you can't tell me your story if you don't feel safe with me. Um, And that I could hold it because I believe that so much of our trauma kind of lands in our pelvic bowl. Mm -hmm. I don't care what gender you are, but it lands in our pelvic bowl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anything that's been, I hear you talk about this quite a bit on your Instagram, um, anything that's been helpful for you to learn how to like slow down and make that safety and connection first as opposed to the maybe the old thing you were taught of like, got to get all this stuff done. Um, anything that's been helpful to do that or, or allowed you to do that? You know, I think it's been my own practice of embodiment. It's mm. been really about me getting into my body yeah. and into my story. Yeah. And when I could do that, setting it aside or, you know, there's times when I'm not doing well, I'm not doing my best. I may be tired, sick. Yeah. Other things are coming all in my life. And I will actually disclose that to patients. Like when they come in, I might say, hey, I'm sorry. I am not at my full capacity today. Um, Let's do the best we can. Because, you know, humanizing that I'm a human, they're human, like that's versus being in this hierarchy. Well, I'm the doctor. So anything I say must be right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't know if you could see, but like, you know, I don't look like a typical doctor. I have purple hair and I have lots of pierces. You look like the kind of doctor I want to go to. (laughs) So, so a lot of times I think just when I enter a room, that helps my patients kind of just take a deep breath and feel like, yeah. oh, this is not your typical, you know, person with uh, a white coat and a stethoscope wrapped around them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of going back to how you approach. So first is safety, mm-hmm. setting the safety, safe container. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's next? You know, what's next is listening, listening to the story. And oftentimes I like to take my patients into their own body. Mm. Like, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to be like, oh, my stomach hurts. Well, it's like, okay, let's close our eyes and take a deep breath. And what's going on? Like, what's, what does it feel like? Where where is it coming from? Does Mm -hmm. it feel like somewhere else? Um, So like, that's kind of the starting point that I begin with people, just kind of getting to know them. I do do lab workup. Um, I'm very cautious because a lot of my patients are not, I'm I'm insurance-based and I'm insurance-based for a reason because I want to be able to treat everybody, not just people who could pay cash for me. So I'm very mm. aware of where people lie and what they can afford and not Oh, afford. so you are working in the system and providing this system. kind of care. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's possible. It is. And it means, honestly, for me, it means 
It means seeing less people. It means ha- making less There's money. There's a trade-off. Yeah. There is. And, and I think that for some people, once you're used to making a certain amount of money, it's hard to go back. But for yeah. me, like what's important and what brings joy for me in my life and making every single day something that I want to be alive for is more important than having a big paycheck. Mm. Yeah. And so I make that decision to work at the capacity that I feel like could provide good care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there's, then there's the labs, there's a safety, there's yeah. the listening, the story yeah. Yeah. labs, you know, um, then there's just a bunch of different modalities depending on what they're here for. I'm yeah. a big fan of pelvic physical therapists, mm-hmm. big fan of pelvic physical therapists. Yeah. I don't, um, but there's a lot of, you know, other things that sometimes people could could use and need yeah. medications, hormones. You know, I do do gender affirming care. So I do use hormones for people. I'm not yeah. afraid of them. And really, it's everything. It's looking at the whole picture and yeah. seeing what parts you want to start, you know, working for. But a yeah. lot of it, a lot, especially with my work in sexuality, so much of it is the trauma we come into from mm-hmm. our culture, our values our teachings yeah and holding that in our pelvic zone yeah i mean something you said earlier that i want to echo and highlight was um sort of using and i talk about this a lot on the podcast but using pleasure for healing trauma mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. illness um in any way that you can i'd love to hear of some experiences you've seen pleasure be healing in a medical space you know, it's funny. I think it's really giving permission to people. Mm. Giving permission. Like actually to talking about it yeah. and opening the yeah. door. Right. It's giving people yeah. permission to be allowed to to also be in joy versus mm. suffering. Because of course I see people oftentimes when they're in suffering. Yeah. So trying to remind them of those little places of what brings them joy, whether it's their family, whether it's the sunset, I mean, it could be anything. And yeah. I try to reframe that that is part of our healing, that pleasure is part of our healing. Yeah. Necessary part. Absolutely. And that taking this pill is not going to give you that, like where you're going to have to get, you're going to have to source it from outside of yourself and bring it in. So it's so much easier for us to be in our messy humanness for us to like, just accept pain, accept suffering, accept trauma and forget that the healing for all of that is joy, gratitude, pleasure, play, um, connection to others you know Mm -hmm. connection to other people so all of that is so important and just talking about it because i don't think a lot of physicians talk about it and i don't think a lot of and i think that's the difference with me like i don't feel like i'm just a doctor or a physician i also feel like you know what i'm a healer because that healing can't just come from me it has to be pulled from inside Mm -hmm. and and bring it for yourself yeah but look i think that's right what you said you know like how many how many doctors out there like regular OBGYNs and other folks included where when they just say, are you sexually active? You know, and firstly, that's a broad question. And how do you define sex and and all those things? Um, But there's not often a question of, are you enjoying the sex that you're having? And or when somebody, you know, sometimes they don't even tell you the sexual side effects of a procedure or a medication or the aging process. And then when they do, they may just say, oh yeah, this can affect your libido. Um, But not, or most will not follow up with, 
and pleasure is important. So here's some options of what we could do about that to make sure you're still enjoying. So like you said, even if it's not direct, you know, pleasure coaching, just opening this door of like, this is an important component of your health and well-being. We're going to include it in the way that we're treating you is so much permission. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? There are people, there are patients of mine that part of my prescription is a self-pleasure practice. Yeah. You know, I will. I wish all my doctors gave that as my as my homework. I'm like, my doctor told me to do this. I I have to take a break (laughs) to masturbate. (laughs) But you know, when I when I talk about self pleasure, it's not even genital self pleasure, right? Any kind of erotic pleasure, or teaching people what it feels like to touch yourself, right? Right. What does it feel like to touch yourself in a way that feels good, and you're allowed to feel good, Mm. and. You know, just giving that permission, like you're allowed to feel pleasure, even though your body's hurting, there's ways that you can feel good. And And not just allowed, but able. Right. Pleasure able, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, so go ahead. No, so all of that, you know, is part... I have a, I like to say I have a really big doctor's toolbox, you know, yeah. I have a big toolbox. I pull different things from it, depending on what somebody's seeing me for and kind of go from there. Mm. Yeah. Which, which speaks to the, like treating the whole person instead of just like, this is how we treat this in everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with that in mind, you know, let's, let's dive into this kind of stars framework that, um, I really want to make sure everybody is familiar with, um, and I know you do so many other things, but I, I really want to highlight it for folks. Um, so you mentioned you kind of shifted it a little bit. So STARS is an acronym. Um, how did you first kind of c- come up with this? And, and I would love it if you could kind of walk us through um, how you use the framework. Okay, yeah. Well, I came up with it because I heard... I don't know if you know, there's a sex educator named Reed Mahalko uh-huh. who came up with this elevator speech. <laughs> yeah. Who came up with this elevator speech. And the first time I heard it, it blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, it blew my mind. I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? Like, why aren't we not just for hookups or kink or polyamory? Like, this is something that is so basic. Mm-hmm. And I remember going back and like writing all the questions out for my patients and trying to teach them this like really long framework when I was like, I need to come up with something that's a little bit more succinct that people could easily say to each other. And that's where the acronym came. The STARS talk acronym came. Yeah. So STARS is an acronym that in many ways is like basic comprehensive sex education. I mean, every part of what STARS is, is things that we really are not necessarily taught in about sex education, but we could learn them and we can um, start understanding what they are for ourselves and then to communicate them to other people. So there's five basic uh, categories, but in each one, it's very, it's pretty It could go as deep as you want or as superficial as you want. So the first one that I'm starting off with now is safety. And when I say safety, I don't mean just safer sex like condoms and contraception. I mean, what do we need to feel safe? What does it mean to feel safe? What does it mean to feel safe when we want something even a little dangerous, right? How 
how do we create a safe container with another person? And are there really, are there big things that we need to discuss before we get into that? Like one of them I was just talking about this weekend was about power and integrity. Mm. Like, you know, bringing that to the table, like what is our power and our integrity? What do I need to feel like, where does that land with me? So I feel safe, but there's a bunch of other things like racial diversity, um, People who I, I don't like using divergent thinking. I don't like that term. So just like you know, people on autism, autism who have different sensory needs. Like, let's talk about that because people need different safety things to kind of feel that they can even start talking and communicating with each mm. other about what they want. Mm. So, what makes you? I'd love. I'd be curious. What makes you not like that term? Neurodivergent, because yeah. I think we're all divergent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I yes. I don't, I mean, if I say neurodivergent, that's telling me that there's a bunch of people that are neurotypical. And, and I hate, may, maybe not. Exactly. So, like, I, that's the reason I don't like it because it makes it, it others. And I don't yeah. like to other. Hey, Slutty Scholars, here are some discount codes and deals from our generous advertisers and sponsors. Remember, the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. And also, I try to feature sponsors who I hope you'll love and benefit from. So, you Slutty Scholars, picture this. You're hanging out at your favorite spot, headphones on, and the world around you just fades away. When listening to Dipsy Stories, you're immersed in a vivid world where every touch, every breath, every stolen glance is felt with breathtaking intensity. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories to read. Dipsy has been my go-to place to spice up my me time, explore my fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. I know that I personally still struggle to take enough time for myself, and Dipsy helps me stay accountable to claiming some of that time just for me. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories, dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S, dipsystories.com slash S&S. And if you're wanting and ready to explore these desires with another person, enter FLIR. Picture this. A late night chat on my new favorite Fleur dating app with Josh from New York. The dim glow of our screens, the anticipation hanging in the air, Josh's words like a dance perfectly navigating the realms of excitement and understanding. As the conversation unfolded, he revealed a shared passion for exploring desires openly. His words were full of encouragement and resonated with my own desires. In the tapestry of our messages, I felt a connection that went beyond the ordinary. Talking about kinks and experiments has never been so easy. The thrill was palpable, and as our chat ventured into uncharted territories, I found myself embracing the freedom to be shamelessly me. It wasn't just about desires, it was about connecting with someone who truly got it. That's the magic of Fleur. It goes beyond the ordinary, providing a space where genuine connections happen. As my heart raced with every word from Josh, I realized Fleur isn't just an app. It's a place for meaningful connections. 
I have a friend who always dreamed of trying something new with a partner, wanted a threesome with another woman, but the fear of judgment was holding her back. Now I know what to advise her. Join Fleur and find people who share your kinks free from judgment. Don't just imagine. Experience the pleasure of being yourself. Download Fleur now and dive into a world where desires meet open-minded souls. I discovered the thrill of Fleur, the sex-positive dating app, and it has been a fun game changer. Join me there and try it for yourself. Okay, and I know we are talking about pleasure, but what happens when your thoughts stop being a fun fantasy and you need some support? Check out No CD. OCD is more than what you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about things like your sexuality stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. Relationship OCD is an often overlooked subtype of OCD that comes with unrelenting intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about things like your partner, a loved one, or sexuality. If you think you may be struggling with things like relationship OCD, there is hope. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, you can do virtual live face-to-face -face video sessions with one of their licensed specialty trained therapists. It's affordable and they accept most major insurance plans. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. To get started, go to NoCD, that's N-O-C-D.com, NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. Now back to the episode. Yeah. I mean, I think I, if folks find it helpful and that it's able to give them protective measures for accessibility, yeah. like I'm for it. And I've been, you know, not to get too detracted because I want to come back to the framework, but I think this is important that, um, I get so frustrated lately when people are like, Oh, everyone has ADHD now. Now everyone's talking about it. I guess everyone has it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe they do, <laughs> you know? So instead I think there's people think it's just a trend or it's just this. And sure. Maybe, maybe there's some of that, you know, people kind of jumping on this collective TikTok stuff. And, um, I think it is important to sort of question that neurotypical, whatever that is, may have just been a thing labeled by an old white dude who really wanted kids to be able to pay attention for, you know, eight hours in school and be on the production line of making a project and not be distracted and just follow along instructions. Right, and absolutely. <laughs> is that neurotypical or is that just something someone created of how they wanted us to function? Right. Um, so yeah, maybe everyone's feeling connected to this movement because most of us are somewhere along this right. spectrum. I think, yes. And I think that understanding what it is in that, in that spectrum yeah. and how you, what your unique needs are to feel safe within your body and how to be heard and how to be listened right. to. One of the most important things when I talk about safety, it's like, can you say no? And can you hear a no? Mm. Does my can my partner hear and know and mm -hmm. not and receive it in a way that yeah. does turn it around? So, like to me, that that's for example, that's one of the most important things that I need to feel safe. Yeah. Which is, you know, can I say no and it be received well? And can they say no and can I receive it well? Yeah. So that wow, that to me is right there, is like, mm -hmm. oh, I feel so much safer with you. So then we move into the the next part. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'd love the safety piece too. And I, I want to say I use your stars framework to see if somebody is safe. And what yeah. I mean by that is like, 
when I bring it up and, or the whatever elevator speech, the stars thing, and I say, I want to have this, you know, safer sex conversation or this relationship expectation conversation. If somebody reacts in a way that doesn't feel good, I know that I don't feel safe with them. Yeah. There may be room for repair, but often I'm like, that's a good litmus test for me of like someone I probably am not going to fuck or might not be in relationship with. Absolutely. I do want to say one thing, like when I'm talking about the stars talk and the acronym, they yeah. don't have to be done in that order. They can uh, be done in whatever order that you need to have yeah. them. Done. Just a helpful reminder. It just, it just like, these are five things to really like, think about and know yeah. about yourself and safety. I I think like you can't have a conversation unless you feel somewhat safe. So safe I just, put that, yeah. I put that in the beginning. Yeah. Um, So the next one is your turn-ons. And to me, this is about giving permission to have pleasure, that sex should be pleasurable. It doesn't always have to be something obligatory. Uh, It, you know, hopefully is not painful. So what do you need to feel turned on? Like a lot of us need to feel safe, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's almost number one. What else do you need? What kind of touch do you like? What kind of touch do you not like? What kind of sexual, sensual, intimate activities turn you on? Mm -hmm. One of mine is like having a really good conversation. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, I like to be touched, you know, hard, or I like to be grabbed, you know, it could be all of those things. But it also, it can also be very dependent on who you're with and what the context is, is as well. Well, and as you're saying, it could also be feelings-based. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I want to do this, this, and this. It might be like, I want to feel safe. I want to feel surprised. I want to feel my brain being activated. Um, Some people seem to operate better with like desired feelings versus like desired actions, I've noticed. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I'm going to have to write that down. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you know, I sure I talk about this um I don't know if you work with the erotic blueprints at all, but uh-huh. I I love having my clients kind of go through that to get a deeper understanding and I noticed that my sensual blueprint clients and if you don't know what those are, go back to the episode with Ian Ferguson, but for my sensual blueprint clients, um they seem to do much better when I say how would you like to feel? Uh, what are, what would you like to feel? And, and I, I like to try to ask that of everybody and they seem to connect much more with that. And then they're able to like name more specifics once they come from a feelings place because they're more sensory versus maybe the more sexual blueprints or the kinky blueprints are able to be like, I want to do this and I want to do this. And right. it's very action-based, um, mm-hmm. but that's not a language that everybody speaks. Right, right. It's not. And it, I mean, the main you know, gist of the turn-ons is to be like, we all, that this is pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And we all are, it's okay. It's okay to have permission to name your turn-ons and tell somebody else what they are. Versus have this idea that the other person's going to figure them out. And then they'll kind of, we'll decide whether or not we like them after they figure it out. Yeah. you know, let's let's rewrite that story altogether mm-hmm. and claim our our turn-ons. Yeah. Um, the next one is the A, and that's avoids, which are our boundaries. Uh, if we want to talk about our our trauma responses, our triggers, how do we get? How do we minimize things that could go wrong? And what do we know about ourselves? Mm-hmm. I don't. I honestly don't think. I think there's very, very few people in this world that don't hold some trauma around sexuality. Yeah. 
Um, we all have something. Just being brought up in our culture could be pretty traumatic. When Shame. Comes, yeah. Yeah. You know, so many things. I mean, we're told to be shameful if we like to have sex or if we enjoy sex or if we want to have a lot of it or right. if we have more than one partner. I mean, there's so many different reasons that we get into the story that we carry. So what do, what can we do in this conversation with someone else that kind of minimizes that? What do we need to avoid? Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes it could be like don't call my vulva a pussy i like it to be called a vulva you know i'm just bringing something it could be languaging um it could be touch but again like if we don't talk about it people don't know what to do and what not to do Mm. uh the r is relationship intentions and expectations and i kind of sum it up as like, this is who I am. And this is what sex means to me. And if we were to have sex, this is what I would need from you. So that's kind of like a little, so it's kind of like, who am I? What relationships am I in? If I am non-monogamous, what, what's the constellation? Do I have agreements with other people? But it also could be like, if I was to have sex, I, um, this is my intention with you. Like, I just want to hook up or I'm hoping that it's going to lead to a longer term thing, or I rather go slow because I want to wait, whatever, whatever it is that you're intending with the person. And the expectations is kind of a, I would say it's, it's our aftercare needs, which again is so rarely discussed. Mm -hmm. We are so rarely discussed. Like if this is what I need. I'd like, I like to be texted like, you know, pretty regularly or I'm okay. You don't need to reach out, Mm -hmm. you know, or I expect you not to ghost me. Like, you know, if we're going to not work out, let's just, you know, you could send me a little thing saying, Hey, thank you for me knowing you. This isn't working out. It's okay. Sometimes it means being honest. And again, if you know how to receive a no, then it's so much easier for you to ask for what you need. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then the aftercare, you know, this I borrowed mainly from from kink negotiations and from the whole concept of like aftercare in a kink scene. Yeah. And I was like, why doesn't everybody do this? This is something that we got to normalize in our society that like yeah. some of us need to be held. Some of us need space. We're all different. Let's just claim what is what we need from one another and we will do so much better. Yeah. And this is one of those things that I I wish everyone used, not just in kink, because a lot of us do, whether it's because of shame or, um, you know, because of the things we carry in our pelvic bowl, as you said, Mm -hmm. you know, erotic and intimate times, um, we can have a drop in our mood and our hormones and our neurotransmitters in our being afterwards. And so to be prepared to care for that not just in a kink setting, I think it is so important. And it like, when I teach people about that, who aren't in the kink realm, like clients of mine, they're like blown away that that's even like a thing. Like they hadn't even right. considered to take care of themselves after, um, which I think, I don't know what you think, but I think it relates a lot to like people thinking they're asking for too much and maybe they already asked for too much with what they wanted and now they still need more. Um, and we're supposed to be done. Right. Right. You know, that's the whole con, like, that's my hope with, hey like let's do a stars talk is to kind of get that idea out like let's let's move beyond it Mm -hmm. if we're here to have pleasurable yummy great sex no matter what it is if it's a hookup or something longer or and if we really want to meet each other in authenticity 
then this conversation is really important. Mm. And, you know, I'll talk about the last S. I think the whole, everything that I've talked about up to now almost is the prerequisite for the last S, which is kind of where the safer sex usually begins and ends. Mm. You know? Yeah, the traditional STI. Right. Like, like contraception STI. Like that's where that's usually the safer sex talk when, when people think about it and Mm. they forget that we need to first claim our turn ons. We need to understand our boundaries. We need to say what it is we, we, what our intentions are and who we are with people before we even think about getting, you know, sexy Mm. with them. I mean, I know you said you can pick and choose the order of this and it's not up to me to decide how somebody runs their stars conversation Mm -hmm. and if it were me i like having this at the end because for a few reasons one you already like you said are establishing safety you're kind of establishing some kind of relational human connection with this person so ideally they're seeing you as a whole person and not just whatever your sti status is or whatever sti you may have or have had um and additionally, depending on how, for me, how somebody responds to those three things might help me decide when is a good time to disclose um, STI status if there is, you know, something that you're needing to disclose. Um, because I think a lot of people are wondering, well, when should I tell somebody I have herpes or when yeah. should I tell somebody I have this or that? Um, and to me, I like having it there because it's like, oh, now I know that this person cares about this, this, and this. We've established these things. I have a little bit more of a sense of who they are as opposed to starting out with it. Um, You don't really know who you're dealing with. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. I used to, you know, it used to come at the beginning. And I think that was really just my, because I'm a physician. So it's easy. Yeah, rule out the medical first. Right, like, let's just get that out. And, and. I used to think that like, if I give my STI status and they can't hold it, then mm. I don't want anything to do with them. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's get, an approach too. Yeah. Right. Let's just get that out of the way. Right. But as I am sitting with it and kind of like integrating it more, yeah, I realized that really it should come at the end. So that's why I switched the two S's around. And because I think it's important that we think of safety as more than just protecting ourselves and when i say protecting it's always around stis which makes no sense to me Mm. because we don't protect ourselves against a heartbreak i mean we try but you know when we open ourselves up emotionally to people yeah we become unprotected to so many things there's no such thing as protection there's no such thing as safety we can only do our best and i think that having this framework for communication beforehand really can go a long way in in creating that yeah Um, and you know like if you are talking with somebody who they're turn-ons and you're really a kinkster and they're really into vanilla you know not doing any of that you might realize way back then that this is not going to be there's no point in going further right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah or Right. Or if if the intentions of what you want with each other is just so different, then there's just no point in going further. And and going to the part that may be the most challenging one to disclose, and that is the STI disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'm kind of like, why is that such a hard one to disclose? And I really believe is because that is almost like 
it has gone into our cells and physiology and thinking that yeah. an STI means that you are promiscuous and are doing something sexually that you should not be doing. And therefore, now you have something. And somebody who doesn't is clean. I hate yeah. that word, but I'm going to yeah. use it because that's what that's most what people, people use. Think. Yeah. Because like I like saying to people, well, I kind of like it a little dirty, you know? I mean, yeah. humans a little dirty. Yeah. And and we shame anything that has the word sex next to it. Mm-hmm. So it makes it very challenging to want to open yourself up to either hear somebody's disclosure yeah. or, or or like be vulnerable enough to give your own, yeah. regardless if that's all you know, negative, or if there's positives thrown in there along the way. I mean, we're human. We all get infections. Yeah. I mean, this STARS framework, in my opinion, you know, helps people learn more about themselves. And I also think some of it, as we're talking about it, requires a certain level of self-knowing. And so some folks might be listening to this and might be thinking like, okay, that's all well and good. And how do I know what my turn-ons are? How do I know what I like? Like, how do I even practice getting these words in my mouth? So people who are feeling pre-stars, do you have any tips for um, helping them get to a place where they feel more confident in their stars? Yeah, yeah. The first thing is um, I created a workbook that's on my, on the Make Time for the Talk website. Perfect. And, and that workbook is free. I created it so people could kind of go through different things and start thinking about things. Yeah. Um, and because I believe so strongly in this, I want to give something to people to actually start thinking. You have the most important person to do a stars talk is yourself. Yeah. How do you get there? You know, that's a really good question. You take a deep breath and you start feeling into your body and like, ooh, what part? Because our heads are so turned on all the time that we miss out on the wisdom of our body. So the first thing is to like, oh, am I feeling even safe claiming anything? Do I feel safe even having these conversations? Can I have it with myself? So you know, going through the workbook, writing it down for yourself, creating a Google document, a Word document, just that you have your own stuff and you start figuring it out and realize it always changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to add to this. um, This is something I do with my clients and that's helping people find their yeses and their nos. mm -hmm. And so we won't go through it all today since we're Mm -hmm. almost out of time. But basically for folks listening, I'd invite you to like, think of something in your life that you know is a hell yes. So that could be person, place, thing, something you've eaten, an animal. It doesn't have to be sexual, like anything. Um, something that's, that you know is a yes to you that you do more often, that you like. And to not just think of it in your head, but see if you can bring it into your sensory experience now. So what did it smell like? What did it look like? Where were you? What did it taste like? Like any of the things. And then mm-hmm. to see if you can notice in your present now, as you're reflecting on it, how did I know, or how do I know now that that was a yes? Like what happens in my face? Does my face get warm? Do I smile? Does my heart start to beat a little bit faster? Do I feel butterflies? Do my feet tingle? Like whatever it is. Cause I think a lot of people say, well, I don't know. But to me, this is a great practice to start figuring out how will I know when a yes crosses my path? Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. 
I love that. I mean, pretty much that's teaching the somatic experience of what a yes is, right? How does it show up in our body? How does it show up so that we can just listen to our heads, but like check in with ourselves? Yeah, exactly. And, And some people, I think, struggle with that. So sometimes I'll start with a no you know, and maybe I'll try to make it not traumatic because sometimes people, I'm like, mm-hmm. if I go to a what the hell no, it might be very triggering and we can go there. But if there hasn't, you know, depending on where someone's at, I might pick like a no that feels more like ridiculous or funny, mm-hmm. whether it's like, you know, um, well, how about if I like, you know, st- stabbed you in the hand or what if I like cut off all your hair right now, you know, like, and right. to help people know like, well, what in this moment tells me that that's a no for me. Um, yeah. And then we can go to the more serious ones, but uh, yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. So the last S, you know, is our sexual health check-in, is our, you know, STI disclosures. Um, And it's not just, you know, I don't want it just to be thought of as like STIs and contraception, Mm. because there's so many other things that happen in our sexual health. Do you have, how old are you? You know, there's a whole range in like where you're at hormonally, age-wise, different needs, that could take up a whole bunch of medications, you know, body abilities. So not just focusing it on the STI part of it helps us round out what we're actually saying and does destigmatize that whole thing of like, oh, just because somebody has, let's say, herpes, then I'm just going to cross them off the list, you know? So because you're a whole person, you're not just, you're not just, one thing, just like some people carry around infections that aren't sexually transmitted, but could actually have more of an impact on on each other. Well, I know we focused on the stars, but as you said, you're a whole person. And so I want people to be able to connect to the rest of you that you're willing to share with them. How can folks um, find you, get connected, um, become your clients? I'm actually not accepting any new patients other than patients who are needing primary care for gender affirmation. And that's in Salem, Oregon. Um, my medical practice is called VIDA, V-I-D-A, Integrative Medicine. And uh, yeah, so really, I don't accept any new primary care patients. But I do do sexual health. I do do STI consultations. I do them on a sliding scale. You could find my information at evelinedacker.com. It's spelled two different ways, but you can, both of them will get you there. I'll put it in the, in the show notes so you can find yeah. the link there. Yeah. And then uh, also at Make Time for the Talk, which is where all my stars works is located. There's also free STI classes that I've done in the past. I will be starting in January, uh, going to be doing more virtual STI courses, including like one just on herpes, which I will do with Courtney Brame, Brame, and then one on HPV, one on vaginosis, you know, as well as the destigmatizing STI in general. I will be starting to do in-person STARS workshops, which are a whole day of actual understanding it, mm. feeling it from an embodied sense, practicing communication that ends up in an actual practice of like a sensation play practice where we could practice saying all of it to each other. Oh, so, that's great. So, yeah, there will be one in January in Portland, Oregon, and hopefully 
over time, I will be spreading it to other places in the country. I'm totally available for someone to have me come out and teach. Um, I don't, a lot of this work is such my passion, hard work that I'm not caught into like, oh, I need to be paid thousands and thousands of dollars to teach this. I feel very strongly that the more we could teach each other the STARS framework, the easier it's going to get in general. And we'll be able to have these yummy conversations with one another, which isn't as hard as it sounds like when you first hear it. Mm, Well, thank you. And again, uh, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. Uh, You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review and check out those advertiser discounts and go check out the STARS framework and all the work that Dr. Evelyn does. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.